hey everybody, this is Reclaim 611 um, and The Remnant and you made it to Podcast Mini 4. I am so proud of you if you've gotten to number four. So y'all, we are doing um, Respond and I'm going to jump right in because there's a lot here, but we're going to get to it. Okay, so my quote for you is by Dr. Sarter to start this off, and it says, we are, by definition, talking about individuals that are probably the most complexly traumatized that we have walking the face of the globe. All right, so when we're talking about responding, we have to remember um, and understand that we have to know the brain well, okay? Because when we understand the body and the brain, then we can understand how we need to respond in a trauma-informed way. We need to understand the impact of trauma and how to implement trauma-informed care. Now, quite frankly, we could talk about this for hours um, <laughs> when it comes to the body and the brain, but we don't have hours. So um, I would encourage you, actually, if you are very interested in the body and the brain, I would recommend the book, the body keeps the score. Um, the author is named Bessel van der Kolk. Don't make me say that twice. Um, but if you Amazon the book, look it up. Um, the body keeps the score. It is so good. And to understand the body and the brain when it comes to trauma. Um, so I'm just going to go over some a few things that are informational about anatomy and survival for you, like really basic here. So let's just remember that the brain develops from the bottom up. So your brainstem, right? You exist at birth and all the things that your basic needs, your sleep, your hunger, your breathing, your pain, all of that is like existence when you come into this world, right? That's what should be there. Um, and as you get older and as we develop, different parts of the brain also develop. And so you have your emotional part of the brain. Um, it's called the limbic system or the emotional part. And that kind of develops, they think, over the first maybe six or seven years of your life. And that's like your emotions and perceptions and how do you categorize things. And then we have the prefrontal cortex, which is this rational part of the brain. And this is really the last to develop. But this part develops, this is your planning, this is your, um, like, inhibition of inappropriate actions. Um, so this is like your restraint, right? So not to be impulsive. This is where empathy comes from, a lot of sense of time and like context. So here's the deal. Th they think that this is more, this doesn't fully develop till you're like early 20s. So it's important to understand that as we are talking with people or victims that have had significant amount of trauma, especially in childhood as young adults, when the brain is literally still developing. So a couple of things about memories and trauma, we need to know that um, trauma memories are very different than regular memories. They're encoded differently in the brain. They're inconsistent. They're fragmented. They're associated with very intense arousal, like kind of that PTSD, like really easily triggered. Um, so just they're not necessarily chronologic, chronologically stored. It's kind of more like pictures than a movie reel. Okay, so they may not see things in sequence, um, but they may have pictures of it that they're capturing. So they may actually be very difficult difficult to interview because they're kind of like all over the place. You're like, hey, you know, like where they are everywhere. You know, you talk to those people, maybe they haven't even had any trauma and you're like, you are all over the place. Well, that might be trauma related. So it's not necessarily always drugs or that they're just weird or maybe, you know, I, I don't know all of the reasons why we may think, um, we need to be thinking, oh, this is actually maybe related to trauma. Um, another thing is that, uh, psycho 
The psychological impact of complex trauma, such as human trafficking, is that not all trauma is really equal in impact, and the type of trauma is important to the clinical assessment and intervention. Um, The impact of trauma also, I mean, guys, trauma disrupts everything. It disrupts your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, people in your community, your environment, and your spirituality as well. Also, sexual exploitation specifically disrupts intimacy because it teaches them that sex is not a choice, that it is unearned and has no boundaries. Um, Also, the most common recurrent feelings from a traumatic experience include, and I think you've heard me say say this in the other um, mini podcast, is shame and guilt. Shame and guilt are huge players here. This really inhibits so much of healing um, in so many people's lives, but really, um, since we're talking about trauma, um, specifically in trauma, and that isolation, anger, disconnection, right? We have different levels of safety that our brain goes to. It's kind of that fight or flight, right? Like that bear's chasing you and you're like running, 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 and you're trying to get away. And then you realize, let's say you get captured by the bear and you can't move. You can, you've, you're fighting now, right? Now you're fighting the bear. But at some point, you may realize you have no control over the situation, right? And so you then go down to freeze. So fight, flight, or freeze. These are different elements or different portions of the brain and how we react um, or how our brains respond. And so when you get to freeze, that's kind of where you disassociate. That's where you um, can tend to isolate or disconnect from the world. And that is incredibly paralyzing um, for people. So a couple of things about just secure attachment, um, or let's just say what trauma does is disrupts a secure attachment. So things can do that is it could be from neglect, chronic stress, um, any event that imposes feeling of terror or helplessness, um, especially as a child, um, but to anybody in general. Um, it is, it is, It has been documented that some survivors really exhibit complex trauma-like behaviors that are similar to those um, who were seen as torture survivors. Um, Also, the timing of trauma a little bit here is that abuse in childhood, y'all, is like really devastating when it's the perpetrator, especially as a primary caregiver or that authority figure in their life. Um, that basic level of security and capacity to trust are disrupted when the abuser is both viewed as necessary for survival as well as the threat to their very existence. So you can have, even when you have really healthy neural capacities for security and trust, so you have, you don't have any trauma in your childhood, right? Like things are going well, this does not apply to you, um, but then you have you encounter interpersonal trauma, like human trafficking, maybe as an adult, it can actually impair those normal pathways in your brain um, and it can destroy them and, and, and new, new attachments, new, new pathways can form um, that are trauma related. So I'm not sure if I said that the best. Um, but what I'm trying to say really is that um, trauma can affect even normal um um, pathways um, that have already been developed. Um, it's it's that impactful. 
All right, so trauma-informed care. This is really just, you guys are to recognize the impact of traumatic experiences that people have and how that affects their perception of themselves and their body. So a couple of things at Reclaim 611, um, what we do or what we teach is something called the Empower Method. Um, and so this is something we've come up with and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna run through it um, pretty quickly here. And it may sound really simple, but, and you can actually download this on our website. Um, but it's a couple of things to just checklist when you are maybe working with, um, a survivor of trafficking, um, or a, a victim that has outcried to you. And you're like, I, I just need to remember what to do, um, in a trauma informed way. Okay. So E for empower is eye contact at eye level, right? So just, just sit down, um, come at their level. If they're a child, maybe sit below their eye level to empower them. M is for meet immediate physical needs. Now, if there's no reason why they can't eat or drink, please offer it, okay? There are obviously situations where you can't do that when people might be more sick or they just can't. Um, but in, in most cases, like that Maslow's hierarchy of, eat, of needs, if they have, if you can offer food or water or a snack or a blanket or something, then do that. Um, monitor for your signs of distress. You're kind of always paying attention. And if you find like they're showing signs of distress, it's just be like, hey, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, just be aware of those things. Um, P is provide professional interpreter. We say that, I know that is so basic, but if you don't speak that language fluently, you need to be getting interpreter and not an interpreter that's a family member or a friend sitting in the room, right? Because if you learn in the other minis that anybody can be a trafficker. So we don't need to be getting interpretation from the trafficker possibly sitting there. So get an interpreter. Most everybody has these. Um, private exam, make sure the patient's comfortable um, with who's in the room and you can always ask them and just tell them what you're doing. If you're doing an exam, I'm going to touch your belly now. I'm going to listen to your heart now. I'm going to tap on your back. Whatever it is, make sure that you are empowering them because no one ever asks and gives them permission to touch their bodies. So be that person to respect them in that way. Okay, so O is for open-ended questions. Super simple. Just make sure it's, it's hard. Sometimes we don't always ask question open-endedly. I think we mean to, but we just kind of get in a rush sometimes um, or we want specific answers in a, in a timely fashion. And so that's where it comes down to this W and empower is wait for your response um, or actively listen um, because you need to give them time, right? They have so much trauma going on. They don't even know if they trust you. They don't know if they want to tell you the truth. They're trying to figure it out themselves. And so give them some time. And honestly, if it's something that you don't have to address right then, then drop it. If it's causing them anxiety, go back later. It's not the end of the world. Don't be so obsessed with your check boxes that you are causing more trauma in the person sitting next to you or sitting in front of you. Okay, E, so is equipped with options and resources. Pretty simple, but um, if they don't, if you can, if you can't help them right then, or they don't necessarily want your help, make sure you have some good resources for the people you work with or have some kind of um, something that you can hand them or you can tell them or they could put in their phone um, or like the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. Um, that would be a great one to give them or to to know yourself so that you can tell tell them they can text or call. Establish rapport. So that's the overall arching thing of this is establishing rapport. That's what you want to do. And most of the time in healthcare, we don't have a whole lot of time to do that. 
Sometimes we do, but we need to do this quickly and effectively. Um, and these are steps to do that. Um, another one and the last R for empower is reinforce victim safety and bravery. So you guys know, well, if you've been listening to me any extensive amount of time that, um, I have several kids and I'm kind of a cheesy person in general. And so, um, take this with a grain of salt, but I always tell victims how brave they are. Um, because I think it's so important that we empower them. And so telling them, you're so brave to be here. You're so brave to talk to me, whatever it is. I, I just incorporating that they are brave because they are. Um, and that might sound so funny coming out of your mouth or may, it may sound weird, but I'm telling you on the other end of that, they are hearing, wow, I don't know if I, anyone's ever called me that before. And most of the time they would never consider themselves as brave. But that is what they are. Um, and then respect your victim's choices. Because um, like I said, especially in the case of an adult, um, is that they can leave. They don't have, we don't, we can't make them get help. And it may be that it's just not that bad enough um, that they don't want to leave. Um, it may be that there's just so much trauma that this is normal for them um, and they're okay with it. I mean, there's so, I mean, they're probably not okay with it, but they don't know any anywhere else of living. They have no sense of worth of their own. Um, and so for whatever reason, um, make sure that you respect their choices. Your job is to make your place that you work where you've met them, whether that's a clinic or an ER or an, any place or a specialty clinic, your job is to make sure that your place is safe and that whenever you want to, whenever you're ready, come back here because we can help you. Because that's the thing, y'all. We can help them. We have the ability to help them. We have the ability to keep them safe if they want to work with us, if they're ready. Um, so that's my empower for you. A couple of things for us, uh, considerations for, um, as you're talking to your patients is just recognize that control over the victim is definitely happening. Even if they don't have anybody present in that room, they're very, very likely to leave what we call against medical advice or some AMA for short, um, because the anxiety gets triggered, especially in healthcare, um, something happens and they're, or they, something's happening with the trafficker or they're pressuring them to leave and they'll just walk out. Um, and so just being alert of, like I said, those signs of distress, kind of figuring it out, staying in tune with them um, so you know how to communicate with them. Um, let's see. I have a couple other ones for you. Just make sure a lot of times is keeping a female provider and nursing staff um, or just staff in general. Um, if you can, that is always, um, that would be a trauma-informed way to approach this. Um, limit the amount of traffic in and out of that room. Okay, like traffic as in people, people or um, uh, staff that's coming in and out. I always tell whenever I have a case or I'm, I'm the people that I'm working with, I always tell them whatever we need to do, we need to not overstimulate them. So whatever room that is or whatever place that is, we need to put them there. There needs to be these people in their care. Nobody else needs to be in there. Um, and if those kind of general people with maybe if you're in the hospital setting like EVS or other things are coming in, registration, um, if we can limit them or make sure that they're coming in at one time, finishing and leaving because um, at, um, if you've listened to other 
podcast before where I've um, talked about cases is their, their trigger is so on alert that even the door opening can make them anxious. So just really decrease the amount of stimuli. Um, if you need law enforcement or anybody else or security and you need them around, but you don't need them sitting at the door with the door open, them looking at, you know, people in uniform, that's going to give them great anxiety. Okay, so take control of the situation in that form. Um, and then um, techniques for interviewing alone. A lot of people ask about this. So as I've mentioned, I think before, is that you want you have to talk to your patient by themselves to really get a good story. Um, and so that's your goal. So whether one thing that I like to do, you've, you may or may not heard this, is like the whole urine sample. Like you need it, you need it, you need a sample no matter what, right? It's easy thing to do. Um, and just ask that person, like, hey, can I walk you to the bathroom? Grab the cup walk them there. Now, I don't pick the closest bathroom. I pick the one around the corner, down the hall, and I don't pepper them with questions, y'all. I don't ask them, okay, well, um, is this a safe environment for you? And uh, have you been trafficked? Okay, no, like that's not where we're going. We just want to build rapport. Um, uh, there's something, I, I think I've, I might have made it up, but it's observational questioning. Um, and really, that's just bringing things out about what you're observing. Like, you seem really anxious. You seem like you might be a little nervous about being here. Is that true? Or how are you feeling? Um, it seems like the person in the room has talked a lot um, about the situation and why you're here, but I would love to hear from your own words is what's going on today. Um, making observations of, of what's going on or if the, if it's an injury, like that really looks like it could be painful. Will you tell me again how that happened? So you're showing that you care, that you notice something and you're asking some more questions. Um, and then at, before you get, when you get kind of towards the bathroom or you're walking back, somehow in there, you want to interject that, hey, I just want, I, I'm most concerned about your safety. Are you Okay. All right, those are really powerful. A lot of victims that I've talked to, survivors, um, have said if someone really asked me if I was okay, genuinely, I might have opened up to them. And so although that is very simple, it's super powerful. All right, a couple of safety guidelines. I'd just say, okay, this one's going to be closer to 20 minutes, y'all. Okay, this last one. Um, prioritize your safety all the time of you, um, of your staff, and of the patient Um and just constantly reassessing safety. Be confidential, all right? Don't be talking about this around everybody because you never know what ears are listening. Um, you really want to um, initiate your safety plan. So if you need to get your your local PD or you need to get your um, law enforcement or whoever's in your facility or around, um, let them know what's going on. If you kind of have a high alert situation, hey, in this room, we may need you. So be aware so that you have the plan set up. But even if you don't really need to act, you're aware of, of, of what your concerns are. So when you need them, they're ready for you or you're ready for them. Um, and then traffickers, potentially violent behavior, just reassessing that safety as far as that, um, and then confidentiality, you know, you guys, um, only really you need to make this person a no info status patient. So whatever that means for where you work, um, they need to be somebody that cannot come in and be looking for them. That is probably the first thing that you need to do to ensure their safety, especially if somebody like their trafficker dropped them off. 
um, which is really, really common. So a no-info patient. All right, um, some very common questions that people ask when it comes to minors. They, what do I do when I'm suspicious that a minor is a victim of human trafficking, but they haven't outcried yet, okay? So review those red flags. Implement your trauma-informed care, okay? Um, just make sure you've hit all of those targets. You can call your resources. There's a national human trafficking hotline that's always there for you that you can talk to. You need to confirm the accompanied person is a legal guardian or the legal guardian has given consent. Now, the patient may show up with quote unquote uncle. Um, you're pretty sure that's not uncle. Nobody can prove that that's uncle, but the patient's not changing her mind. She's not saying anything, but everything else about the situation red flags you. If you are suspicious for human trafficking, which is a crime, you can call your PD, you can call law enforcement and ask them to run this child's information as a background check. You never know if they're a, a missing person. That is in your power to act. So a lot of times we hear, well, there's nothing they can do. They won't tell me what's going on. I can't prove it. So what more can you do? Well, you can do this. This is not a HIPAA violation. This is something if you are suspicious of a crime, you need to act and you need to report it um, or do some more digging. You are a mandatory reporter of abuse, all of you, of healthcare providers, and this is inclusive of trafficking reporting. Um, so my 60 second, um, rant on this is when you call 911 or dispatch and you're talking to them or you're concerned about a suspicious for human trafficking, please, please, please tell them what you're concerned about. You may be thinking, well, I don't really know. I'm not sure. And feeling a little insecure about it. Listen, I've been wronged also, but I'd rather be wrong than miss an opportunity. That you need to tell them what you're concerned about. That I am concerned about human trafficking. Because if the right person doesn't show up for the right job, a lot of times this does not go the way it should. It's just like any other thing. If you call the wrong specialist, then what what good is that, right? Um, so you really need to be um, clear of why you're ca calling them and the type of law enforcement personnel that you need to report this and make sure that it's going to the right person. All right, y'all are awesome. Um, make sure that you realize that this is a multidisciplinary approach. You need everybody to combat that. If you're in healthcare, you cannot handle this on your own. You need law enforcement. You need community-based organizations, you need survivors, you need all, all of your first responders aware as we work together and we unite together and we're educated together, that's really where we're going to make a difference and create a culture change when it comes to identifying human trafficking in healthcare. You guys are awesome. If you made it to podcast um, four at 22 minutes, I know it was a little long, um, but if you made it to all four and you want to email me at support at reclaim611.org and say, I listened to all four, I will send you a Reclaim 611 trucker hat. Okay? So that's the deal. Y'all have a great night um, and check out our website at www.reclaim611.org.